0: DIALOGUE BETWEEN FRANKLIN AND THE GOUT By Benjamin Franklin This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Midnight, 22nd October, 1780 Ugh! Oh! Oh! What have I done to merit these cruel sufferings? Many things. You have ate and drank too freely, and too much indulged those legs of yours in their indolence. Who is this that accuses me? It is I, even I, the gout. What? My enemy in person? No, not your enemy. I repeat it, my enemy for you would not only torment my body to death but ruin my good name you reproach me as a glutton and a tippler now all the world that knows me will allow that i am neither the one nor the other the world may think as it pleases it is always very complacent to itself and sometimes to its friends but I very well know that the quality of meat and drink proper for a man who takes a reasonable degree of exercise would be too much for another who never takes any. I take oh, uh, as much exercise ah, as I can, Madam Gout. You know my sedentary state, and on that account it would seem, Madam Gout, as if you might spare me a little seeing it is not altogether my own fault. If life is a sedentary one, your amusements, your recreation at least, should be active. You ought to walk or ride, or if the weather prevents it, play at billiards. But let us examine your course of life. While the mornings are long, and you have leisure to go abroad, what do you do? Why, Instead of gaining an appetite for breakfast by salutary exercise, you amuse yourself with books, pamphlets, or newspapers, which commonly are not worth the reading. Yet you eat an inordinate breakfast, four dishes of tea with cream, and one or two buttered toasts with slices of hung beef, which I fancy are not things the most easily digested. Immediately afterwards you sit down to write at your desk, or converse with persons who apply to you on business. Thus the time passes till one, without any kind of bodily exercise. But all this I could pardon in regard, as you say, to your sedentary condition. But what is your practice after dinner? Walking in the beautiful gardens of those friends with whom you have dined would be the choice of men of sense.' Yours is to be fixed down to chess, where you are found engaged for two or three hours. This is your perpetual recreation, which is the least eligible of any for a sedentary man, because instead of accelerating the motion of the fluids, the rigid attention it requires helps to retard the circulation and obstruct internal secretions. Wrapped in the speculations of this wretched game, you destroy your constitution. What can be expected from such a course of living but a body replete with stagnant humours, ready to fall prey to all kinds of dangerous maladies, if I, the gout, did not occasionally bring you relief by agitating those humours and so putrefying or dissipating them?' If it was in some nook or alley in Paris, deprived of walks that you played a while at chess after dinner, this might be excusable. But the same taste prevails with you in Passy, Artwell, Montmartre, or Senoy, places where there are the finest gardens and walks. A pure air, beautiful women, and most agreeable and instructive conversation, all which you might enjoy by frequenting the walks. "'but these are rejected for this abominable game of chess. "'Fie, then, Mr. Franklin! "'But amidst my instructions, "'I had almost forgot to administer my wholesome corrections. "'So take that twinge, and that.' "'Oh! Oh! Ow!' "'As much instruction as you please, Madam Gout, "'and as many reproaches. "'But pray, Madam, a truce with your corrections.' No, sir, no, I will not abate a particle of what is so much for your good. Therefore, ah, ah, it is not fair to say I take no exercise, when I do very often, going out to dine and returning in my carriage. That, of all imaginable exercises, is the most slight and insignificant if you allude to the motion of a carriage suspended on springs. By observing the degree of heat obtained by different kinds of motion, we may form an estimate of the quantity of exercise given by each. Thus, for example, if you turn out to walk in winter with cold feet, in an hour's time you will be in a glow all over. Ride on horseback, the same effect will scarcely be perceived by four hours round trotting but if you loll in a carriage, such as you have mentioned, you may travel all day and gladly enter the last inn to warm your feet by a fire. Flatter yourself no longer, that half an hour's airing in your carriage deserves the name of exercise. Providence has appointed few to roll in carriages, while he has given to all a pair of legs, which are machines infinitely more commodious and serviceable. Be grateful, then, and make a proper use of yours.' Would you know how they forward the circulation of your fluids in the very action of transporting you from place to place observe when you walk that all your weight is alternately thrown from one leg to the other this occasions a great pressure on the vessels of the foot and repels their contents when relieved by the weight being thrown on the other foot the vessels of the first are allowed to replenish and by a return of this weight this repulsion again succeeds, thus accelerating the circulation of the blood. The heat produced in any given time depends on the degree of this acceleration. The fluids are shaken, the humors attenuated, the secretions facilitated, and all goes well. The cheeks are ruddy, and health is established. Behold your fair friend at Otuel. A lady who received from bounteous nature more a really useful science than half a dozen such pretenders to philosophy as you have been able to extract from all your books. When she honors you with a visit, it is on foot. She walks all hours of the day, and leaves indolence and its concomitant maladies to be endured by her horses. In this see at once the preservative of her health and personal charms— but when you go to Atiel, you must have your carriage, though it is no farther from Passé to Atiel than from Atiel to Passé. Your reasonings grow very tiresome. I stand corrected. I will be silent and continue my office. Take that, and that. Oh, oh! Talk on, I pray you no no i have a good number of twinges for you to-night and you may be sure of some more to-morrow what with such a fever i shall go distracted oh can no one bear it for me ask that of your horses they have served you faithfully how can you so cruelly sport with my torments sport i am very serious I have here a list of offenses against your own health, distinctly written, and can justify every stroke inflicted on you. Read it, then. It is too long a detail, but I will briefly mention some particulars. Proceed. I am all attention. Do you remember how often you have promised yourself, the following morning, a walk in the grove of Boulogne? IN THE GARDEN DE LA MIETTE, OR IN YOUR OWN GARDEN, AND HAVE VIOLATED YOUR PROMISE, ALLEGING AT ONE TIME IT WAS TOO COLD, AT ANOTHER TOO WARM, TOO WINDY, TOO MOIST, OR WHAT ELSE YOU PLEASED, WHEN IN TRUTH IT WAS TOO NOTHING BUT YOUR INSUPERABLE LOVE OF EASE. THAT, I CONFESS, MAY HAVE HAPPENED OCCASIONALLY, PROBABLY TEN TIMES IN A YEAR. HA! YOUR CONFESSION IS VERY FAR SHORT OF THE TRUTH. THE GROSS AMOUNT IS ONE HUNDRED AND NINETY-NINE TIMES. IS IT POSSIBLE? SO POSSIBLE THAT IT IS FACT. YOU MAY RELY ON THE ACCURACY OF MY STATEMENT. YOU KNOW MR. BRILLON'S GARDENS, AND WHAT FINE WALKS THEY CONTAIN. YOU KNOW THE HANDSOME FLIGHT OF AN HUNDRED STEPS, WHICH LEAD FROM THE TERRACE ABOVE TO THE LAWN. YOU HAVE BEEN IN THE PRACTICE OF VISITING THIS AMIable FAMILY TWICE A WEEK, AFTER DINNER, "'And it is a maxim of your own "'that a man may take as much exercise "'in walking a mile up and down stairs "'as in ten on level ground. "'What an opportunity was here "'for you to have had exercise "'in both these ways. "'Did you embrace it? "'And how often?' "'I cannot immediately answer that question. "'I will do it for you. "'Not once.' "'Not once?' "'Even so. During the summer you went there at six o'clock. You found the charming lady, with her lovely children and friends, eager to walk with you, and entertain you with their agreeable conversation. And what has been your choice? Why, to sit on the terrace, satisfy yourself with the fine prospect, and passing your eye over the beauties of the garden below, without taking one step to descend and walk about in them.' On the contrary, you call for tea and the chess-board, and, lo, you are occupied in your seat till nine o'clock, and that besides two hours' play after dinner, and then, instead of walking home, which would have bestirred you a little, you step into your carriage. How absurd to suppose that all this carelessness can be reconcilable with health without my interposition! I am convinced now of the justice of poor Richard's remark that our debts and our sins are always greater than we think for. So it is. You philosophers are sages in your maxims, and fools in your conduct. But do you charge, among my crimes, that I return in a carriage from Mr. Brillon's? Certainly, for having been seated all the while, you cannot object to fatigue of the day, and cannot want, therefore, the relief of a carriage. What, then, would you have me do with my carriage? Burn it, if you choose. You will at least get heat out of it once in this way. Or, if you dislike that proposal, here's another for you. Observe the poor peasants who work in the vineyards and grounds about the villages of Passay, Artiel, Chalot, etc. You may find every day among these deserving creatures Four or five old men and women, bent and perhaps crippled by weight of years, and too long and too great labor. After a most fatiguing day, these people have to trudge a mile or two to their smoky huts. Order your coachman to set them down. This is an act that will be good for your soul, and at the same time, after your visit to the Brillons, if you return on foot, that will be good for your body. Ah! How tiresome you are! "'Well, then, to my office. "'It should not be forgotten that I am your physician. "'There! "'Oh! "'What a devil of a physician! "'How ungrateful you are to say so! "'Is it not I, who in the character of your physician, "'have saved you from the palsy, dropsy, and epiplexy, "'one or the other of which would have done for you long ago, "'but for me?' "'I submit.' and thank you for the past but entreat the discontinuance of your visits for the future for in my mind one had better die than be cured so dolefully permit me just to hint that i have also not been unfriendly to you i never feed physician or quack of any kind to enter the list against you if then you do not leave me to my repose it may be said you are ungrateful too I can scarcely acknowledge that as an objection. As to quacks, I despise them. They may kill you, indeed, but cannot injure me. And, as to regular physicians, they are at last convinced that the gout, in such a subject as you are, is no disease but a remedy, and wherefore cure a remedy. But to our business. There! Oh! Oh! For heaven's sake, leave me! And I promise faithfully never more to play at chess, but to take exercise daily and live temperately. Ha! Huh, I know you too well. You promise fair, but after a few months of good health, you will return to your old habits. Your fine promises will be forgotten like the forms of the last year's clouds. Let us then finish the account, and I will go. But I leave you with an assurance of visiting you again at a proper time and place. For my object is your good, and you are sensible now that I am your real friend. This discourse read for you by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in March 2016.